This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. We're the famous Man City and we're going to Wembley, unfortunately. It's Friday the 2nd of June. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Adam Booker. And I'm Ollie Kirsch. And this is the City Report Podcast. Where is going from there? And the goal to keep this extraordinary run going. Sergio Aguero. Unbelievable. Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6. It's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. The treble is in sight for City and you can gear up for what could be a big few weeks of our wooing and man blueing by heading over to Beer Monster. Beer Monster is the place to find all of your favourite household names at refreshingly low prices with the likes of Brewdog, Goose Island and Budvar available at the click of a finger. If you're feeling fruity, you could even try out one of the famous Beer Monster kegs, which allows you, the listener, to pour the perfect pint from the comfort of your own home. All purchases over £35 come with free delivery and if you're quick, you can also grab an extra £5 off with the discount code CityPod05. That's £5 off any order with the code CityPod05. UK only, terms and conditions apply, drink responsibly. Chaps, the big one, um, the big week. Ollie Kirsch is having an uncontrollable fit. Um, I've just got to collect myself for the listeners for about four or five minutes before the record button started. We've um, it's just been a shambles already. It, it'd help if you learn how to click links that are sent to you to get into the recording to start off with. That'd have, no, that'd have well, just to be clear, this is from Amos pronouncing K Sarah Sarah as Q Sarah Sarah. Q Sarah Sarah. Well, you know, got to stick to the Lancastrian roots. Adam, how are you? I'm. Yeah, I'm ready to get on with this uh, this episode. That's that's <laughs> yeah. how I am. Yeah, let let let's um, let's. So um, 
so you've probably by now uh, divulged in some of our FA Cup preview content, if you haven't already, on Wednesday. Uh, the lads turned their attention to this game, sort of formally passing the baton on from the Premier League season over to the FA Cup. Yesterday, I was joined by a rag. I know, whisper it, Tommy Stewart, but it was a cracking laugh. Go back and listen to that if you haven't already, but not until you've listened to today's show, because we're going to go into the game into more detail. Um Ollie, this has been looming. I think Adam described it on Wednesday as a, a black cloud on the horizon. The, the cloud has certainly formed over the greater Manchester region now. Even though the weather's gorgeous, you are starting to feel it a little bit. What are your immediate thoughts heading into the weekend? Um, I know you're going to be at Wembley on Saturday. Firstly, how are you getting there? Because I know train strikes and whatnot are causing havoc. But um, how are you feeling? Are you excited? Can, can, you, uh, can you contain your excitement for this mammoth historic clash or are you a little bit like me where you'd like to go into some sort of um hibernation for the next sort of seven days uh, uh, firstly i'm just going to put a disclaimer out for the listeners i am a horrible bitter rancid but and that is going to come out in full swing in this podcast you're going to get your balanced views from amos and booker uh <laughs> you're not going to get that from me but you know you know what i, I enjoy the build-up um I, I don't feel like i just want to fast forward to the game now Although indeed the end of the game, I, I do enjoy the build-up. I do enjoy the bantering. The day of is going to be vile. Um, I I don't care what happens in the ninety minutes as long as we win. Um, as soon as the first whistle or goes, or hundred and twenty. I hope not. Or hundred and twenty plus pens. I really hope not. But as soon as the as soon as the whistle for kickoff goes, th- at that point, I would like to fast forward to the end of the game. Um, and if mm-hmm. we do get beat, I'd like to fast forward into next week, next month, or even next year. Uh, but no, but I think the build up is just something we've got to savor because not only is this an immense occasion in terms of city season and of course a derby at Wembley, it's the first ever. It's the first ever FA Cup final at Wembley mm-hmm. between these two clubs. So I think. Uh, not to be cliche, but it is one for the neutrals and it is a momentous historic occasion in the history of Mancunian football. 130 years of the FA Cup, is it? 135, yeah. something crazy, and we've never met in the final. It's it's momentous. So I'm going to try and enjoy the occasion for the historical aspects of it. Um, but in terms of that 90 minutes, yeah, I'm dreading that. But we've just got to enjoy the build-up and, and see what happens. Yeah, I think uh, another disclaimer that this podcast is sort of um, heavily weighted towards absolute pure hatred towards Manchester United. And, you know, we will try and sort of litter it with the positive side of things. City are two games away from a treble. The team is fantastic. They're much better than Manchester United. But there was a fantastic piece in the um, in the Athletic from Daniel Taylor, I think it was, who basically wrote, he he met and he spoke to quite a few City supporters, older City supporters. I know uh, Gary Gary James was one of them. And he did a really good job at explaining exactly why this game, also the opponent, means so much to to, to City in regards to United. And Adam, I don't know if you've read it, but there was a a part of it which said that on the 25th anniversary of City not winning a trophy, they organised a a party in Main Road. This is United supporters. It got shut down by Greater Manchester Police the night before they had a banner at Old Trafford with the number of years City hadn't won a trophy for so when City supporters like you and I and Ollie and whoever else sort of go it's United we hate them it's for good reason isn't it and I don't know if that's sort of properly translated over to people who are in different sort of uh uh, what would be the word sort of like criteria in the supportership how long they've been a supporter and you know again we're not sort of discriminating anyone but 
I think it is one of those times where we're sort of saying, we're United, we fucking hate them. And I think sometimes that has to be listened to. Yeah, and it, and it is an interesting one. You you bring up the supporters, which obviously both clubs have loads of supporters around the world that you know aren't like you and Ali who have grown up with United supporting mates, going to school with them, and now working with them, and so on and so forth. Um, which is interesting because obviously there's been loads of talk of of the FA Cup final versus the Champions League final, and and there's obviously. You know the kind of international fan base has, has prioritized the the Champions League final a bit, and that makes sense because the Champions League final is such a global mm. occasion. Um, whereas you know the the local fans have kind of got their eye on this one, and I have uh, probably been like a, a ping pong ball on a ping pong mm. table with with these next couple of weeks because there's just so many kind of factors that go into it. You know if we if we lose this game against United, does the Champions League final now mean less because you can't win the treble and United took the treble away from us and so on and so forth. But yeah, I like you said, I described it as a, a black cloud hanging over us. And I, I like Ali said, I don't think it's going to be, uh, the clouds aren't going to break until the full-time whistle and we have a resolution one way or another. And hopefully we don't have to hide under a rock for the next 10 to 20 years based on the, the result. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Obviously, that debate has been raging. I know um, on David Mooney's podcast with Sam Lee and Neda Manua, they did a sort of like they, they did a funny a funny segment where they sort of said after three, Nedham and uh, and David said their preferred option, and they both went opposite, and they're going head to head at sort of, and you know they're two Mancunian lads. Ollie, should we try and sort of as best as we can, as rationally as we can, explain why? people might be swaying towards the FA Cup finals, the one they'd like to... Because the way I'm looking at it now is the one I'd like to lose least. Not the one I'd rather win. Which one, for me, would hurt more to lose? And I think you dress it up with all the context you want, but an FA Cup final against Manchester United, regardless of if there's a treble on the line, regardless of City are are favourites, whatever the context is, it's always going to be sort of giving you memories to... And I suppose you had it worse as me as a little bit older, but growing up as the only, well, I was one of two City fans in the school classroom on non-uniform days. I'd come to school wearing my City shirt and get laughed at, get picked on by the older lads who were like, why on earth are you a City fan, blah, blah, blah. I think if anyone had the upbringings you and I had, it would be, you'd sort of go, all right, okay, fair enough. It makes sense why they, they don't like them that much. And it's silly. It's only a football club. We get that. But it's sort of ingrained in the entire sort of fabric of being a human, let alone of supporting a football club. No, absolutely. Uh, it's not irrational. You say we should argue this rationally. It's completely irrational. And I recognise that. that <clears throat> the rational answer is that we should go ahead and prioritise the Champions League. We've not won it yet for all, for all the reasons we've covered a million one times. Mm. This is a completely irrational yet somehow simultaneously legitimate argument. And you're right. I was born in 94. My first memory of City, apart from some very early flashes of Main Road in maybe 97 or 98, was um, the 99 final at Wembley, the playoff final against Gillingham. Mm. So my earliest memory of being a blue is doing something that I thought was like the, the, the biggest achievement we've ever seen or, you know, the, the, of course, my short lifetime, that that moment at Gillingham and then getting back to school and that lot have won the treble. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? It, it's like entire childhood was overshadowed by them and uh, was it that that book from um, Colin Colin Schindler, Manchester United Ruined My Life? <laughs> and they did, where football's concerned, they absolutely did my, my, my childhood and I am immeasurably bitter about it. 
So for me, I am going to be irrational about this. And I'm going to say I would rather lose to Inter Milan in the Champions League final than let United, one, win another trophy, two, beat us to a trophy, and three, stop us winning the treble. If somebody's going to stop us, let it not be them. Um, But as I said, I recognise the rational answer would be that we need to press on and win the Champions League. I don't care, mate. Honestly, for me, um, if I've got to go one or the other, like have to go one or the other, I'll take a win at Wembley on Saturday. Um, Champions League pain I can deal with. Losing to them at Wembley, categorically mm-hmm. not. Yeah. And it would, one more thing, it would even somehow be worse if we lose to United and then beat Inter. Mm, yeah, I see what you mean. That, deep, that, down, that, that, deep down. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I'm. I'm Firmly on one side of the fence for me. I've not even I've not even debated it for a second in my own head. Um, call me crazy, but that's that's just where I stand, and I, I I can't help that. Well, that's the the beauty of football, isn't it? I mean, everything that we feel isn't rational. All of the feelings wrapped up in this game mm. are totally irrational. Especially if you if you remove all emotion from it and you look purely from a logical point of view. There is every reason to say that City have absolutely nothing to worry about going into this game. On paper, ev- on every aspect of this game, City have you know the advantage. But emotion is mm. you know, football is an emotional game, and I think I come in in this weird hybrid place here, where obviously I'm I'm not local to Manchester, but I the reason I started supporting City was because I didn't want to support United because United was one of the only teams that played on TV at the time. And the first game I ever watched in the early 2000s was a Manchester derby. And, um, you know, so in in a kind of weird way, I shoehorned myself into the mindset of watching football through the lens of disliking United before really anything else. Um, and this kind of feels like the the culmination of all of those emotions, to be honest. It does. It, it feels like football ends after this. The, the whole yeah. season kind of has that feeling at the moment, that like mm. we're Frodo and Sam at, at, the, at the peak of Mount Doom when, when you know, they're talking about how there's no food for the, the, the journey back. And Frodo says to Sam, what journey back? That's where that's where I feel like we're at right now. We're at the peak of Mount Doom, and it's all erupting around us, and there there is no route home from here. Um, and just one thing as well: it is perfectly rational, whether you are a City fan or not, to strongly dislike Man United, not because they won things. Liverpool, you can have the same feelings. Why? Because they have an entitlement that no other clubs do. The fan base, for me, some might disagree and they might say, oh, it's a few bad eggs, this and that. But the general sentiment amongst the City fan base is that there is a recognition that this could all end. There is a cycle and everything that we're enjoying now, perhaps when Pep goes, will end. For that lot, they thought it was going to be until the end of time. Right, they, they they had that arrogance to think that nothing could ever stop them. They genuinely watched David Moyes walk onto that pitch the day after Fergie left, thinking everything was going to be the same. And that's not the same with other clubs. So this isn't just about irrationality and being a bit of blue from what we witnessed when we were growing up. There is genuinely a, an issue with at least a large section of that fan base with regards to its uh, its arrogance. So mm-hmm. Booker. If your first instinct was to hate United rather than love City, I get it. And I will argue that that is a completely legitimate viewpoint. Yeah, fits right in. Absolutely. Um, I've got a quick question then in regards to this game. Not whether or not you'd rather win the Champions League, the FA Cup, whatever. That's been done a billion times. But I'll start with I'll start with you, Adam. 
given the opportunity, I know we spoke about deal or no deal before, where the banker gives you a box and he rings you up and he says, oh, do you want to swap it, blah, blah, picture that again. Given the opportunity, in front of you, you've got what we've got, a FA Cup final against United and a Champions League final against Inter Milan. Realistically, Pep Guardiola will be sitting there saying we are the better team in both of those. We should wipe the floor with both teams, win each each game 3-0. Obviously, it's not going to happen like that, but you know that that's where we are on paper. It, would you swap the FA Cup final opponent being United, and I don't know who was in the semi-final, Brighton, stick Brighton in there. Would you swap that for a Champions League final against Liverpool? And let's say last season's Liverpool. Oh, God. Um, yeah. I, I, I was on record during the FA Cup semi-finals saying that when when we had already beaten Sheffield United, we had our, our spot in the final booked and it was between Brighton and United in the other semifinal. I was on record saying that if you offered it to me right now, I would sign up for a loss to Brighton in the final right now <laughs> ahead of an unknown result against United. Hmm. That the, just Because the entire day, the buildup, all of it is just too sickening to think about. So yeah, I'm going to stick by my guns here and say, Yes, I'd rather play anybody else in the final of the FA Cup, if even if it meant we got, you know, prime Brazil and anybody in in the Champions League final. <laughs> Ollie, um, no, I wouldn't swap. I wouldn't swap. You wouldn't. I, oh, no, no, no. It, it, it is the the permutation here is that it has to be Liverpool in the Champions League final. Yeah, yeah. Let's say yeah. Right then, no. No, I think for the reason that, number one, if we do beat United, there will be nothing sweeter on this planet than beating them on the way to a treble. The other thing is as well that I feel when you've won the Premier League, a Champions League final against another English team isn't quite as magical and it, it, it means mm. less in a way. Well, we, know what, we, we know what that feels like, don't we? Yeah, because if you beat them, it's like, well, Damn right, we've just beaten you over the course of a 38-game mm. season. We should be beating you. And if we lose, it feels like a horrendous injustice. Look at the final against Chelsea. They finished, what, seventh? And we lost the Champions League final to them. And it, it, it makes no sense. I mean, I know that is the nature of a cup competition, but I think our Champions League run has been beautiful the way it is. We've, we've beaten teams from Spain and Sevilla, uh, Madrid. We've beaten teams from Germany and Bayern, Dortmund, Leipzig. And now we've got the Italian giants of Inter Milan to play. Mm-hmm. That, for me, is like a, a, a vintage Champions League run where we've not had to face anyone from home that we've already proven that we're a million miles better than them. So I'll keep it as it is. Um but if you do lose to United, come back to me. I'll probably have a different answer <laughs> in hindsight. It's it's just the circumstances, isn't it? Like if this was a one-off final against United, and we were, if if it was almost you know a Cinderella story that we'd gotten to the final, and they were you know cruising at the top of the league, and we were sixteenth or whatever, then it's it's a different mindset. But it's the fact that the ball is in our court in every sense of, of that saying, you know, they, they have nothing to lose in a sense. We have everything to lose the treble hopes, the bragging rights, you know, uh, for beating your bitter rivals in the first and ever first and only FA cup final we've ever played them in and so on and so forth. It's, it's all about the context here. There are a million different Mm. contexts in which this game isn't quite as sickening, Mm. but it's just all of these other factors that just make it so horrible. But 
let, let's say we've, we've let's fast forward to two and a half weeks, two weeks, and let's just say we've won the lot, right? <laughs> I'll take it. Yes. Yeah, no, 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 yes, 100%. yes, please, but yes, please. If if you if you could go back and say go back to the very beginning of the season, right? And you, I say to you, right, City are going to win the treble. Design the run. Design your most magical run possible. Mm. We've, we're pretty much there in terms of how this has played out. We've had Pep's understudy Arteta and a couple of ex-City players running us close in the league. We've got an FA Cup where I think we've already knocked out Liverpool and Chelsea and we have got United in the final. Yeah, Arsenal, Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool was the league cup, wasn't it? Liverpool's league cup. Okay, yeah. so Arsenal and Chelsea, and we've got United in the final at Wembley. And then a Champions League run that hasn't consisted of a single English team. We've had the the, the champions, the, holder, the, the holders of the tournament, the German champions, and mm-hmm. now Inter Milan with Edin Dzeko in the side. Oh. You know, if, if you could design a perfect treble run, this is very, very, very close to it. This so, hypothetical I'm world that you're it. talking about, though, you're you're implying that, and I can only speak for myself here. You're implying that I enjoy watching football, <laughs> like in the sense that there is plenty of football that I enjoy watching, but neither the cha- the Champions League final might be enjoyable, but the FA Cup final is not going to be enjoyable. It's just mm-hmm. like you just hope that it gets done and it's over yeah, with yeah. and you hope yeah. the result year went 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 your yeah, way. But, so but football's all about the narratives, right? It's not all about the great football because if you look at say for example Wrexham, the story that the, the magical story that Wrexham have got. Don't get me started on Wrexham, Ali. Fine, okay. <laughs> but many people are really invested in this, right? They love it. Um or even Luton, right? Luton have you seen the their away end? <laughs> <laughs> the the the, uh, the away entrance, right? It's through some houses. Yeah. Oh, God, let's not. The will but, still stand. But even will still, another great example. <laughs> oh, football, the majority of football, the vast majority of football doesn't come close in its quality to what we get to see week in, week out as City fans. But the, the magic of it is in the narrative. Most of the time, the magic of football is in the narrative, not necessarily the quality of what's played on the pitch, especially when you're looking at lower leagues. Most of Luton's uh, season after season of promotions have been pretty damn ugly. Because that's just the nature of lower league football. But the narrative is the magic. And and the narrative that we could have if we sealed the deal this season is, is almost perfect. The downside of that, of course, is if you don't pull through, the stakes are higher and you get hurt even more. But we, we've got to be positive here and say that we're about to wrap up a historic, vintage, magical, couldn't write it kind of treble run. And, and listen, until we... Are knocked out or otherwise happens, then I wouldn't swap it. No, you almost make me feel excited for the game on Saturday, which is uh, quite a turn up. Um, that'll do for part one. Stick around, we'll be back in a moment. This episode is sponsored by Beer Monster, your online home for all the best household beers at refreshingly low prices. Purchase today and get an extra £5 off all orders with the code CityPod05 as we gear up for a mammoth couple of weeks of cup finals. UK only, 18 and over, drink responsibly. Welcome back to the City Report Podcast, your final episode of this week. Um, quickly, before before we get back onto the match, then a bit of news from this week in terms of transfers, as I see Adam Booker's eyes revolving back into his cranium. But 
Kovacic, what did you what did you think of that uh, sort of well let, let's call it a done deal for now because by all of the sort of sources the big boys Romano Ornstein Jack Gordon it is looking like it's a done deal twenty nine year old he's looking to leave Chelsea he's got a couple of years on his contract left there um, probably would come in about I don't know if I'm to guess one hundred and thirty thousand pound per week not a big hitter but you know it's still a hefty chunk Adam were you happy with that. Let's say yeah. it goes through. Are you happy with that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of idiots, dummies, and morons criticize this move online. Um, but I don't see any issue with it. You know, if he's coming in at a reasonable fee, a reasonable salary, whatever, um, there's, a, there's a lot of talk of like, how does this affect Gundawan's future or Bernardo's future? And I feel like we've sort of forgotten in the last 18 months or so that this is a tiny squad. And there are absolutely holes to be filled in the squad with players exactly like Kovacic. Somebody that might not be just quite good enough to knock the likes of Kevin De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva, Ilkay Gundogan out of a starting eleven, but a damn good guy to come off the bench, a Champions League winner. You know, he's been to World Cup semifinals and finals, and, and blah 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 blah. Um, so I see nothing wrong with this because if the squad gets bigger and you know, at the moment, City squad is an injury or two away from Cole Palmer playing. You know, in a Champions League final, that that's that's how thin City squad is at the moment. So, yeah, I see no reason to to kind of look down your nose at this move. And he's 29 years old. If you sign him for three or four years, you're still going to get probably three or four years of him at close to his best. And yeah, I, I think it's a fantastic move for the squad. Yep, great move in isolation before we consider outgoings. If Bernardo or Gundo leave, or both, then we're going to need some more additions. But mm-hmm. assuming zero outgoings at the moment, is there a slot for an additional central midfielder in the shape of Kovacic? Absolutely. Because at the moment we're limited, right? We've got De Bruyne, Bernardo uh, and Gundo to fill those two central midfield positions either side of Rodri or ahead of Rodri in the inverted fullback. So we need another pair of legs in there. Um if one of the other boys go, then we're going to have to dip into the market for another player. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy about it. To be honest, I think you know, akin to Adam's point, given the shortages in those positions this season, the only worry I have though is that it leads to, like you say, more outgoings, and this is merely a replacement, not an addition. Because I do, I, do, I the, there is absolutely nothing to criticise Pep Guardiola about, especially considering he's. he's driven City to the brink of a treble but I did, I have felt this season it has been down to quite a little bit of luck in the key moments that 12 game winning streak in the Premier League obviously big wins against Bayern Munich Real Madrid etc where touch wood we've had a pretty fit squad for the majority of it albeit you know m- mentally drained as he spoke about in recent press conferences but had a De Bruyne gone down for longer had a Haaland gone down for longer had a bloody Rodri gone down for longer it would have been interesting to see where City's season had gone because there would have been more tinkering and I don't think we'd have been in this position, but hey, oh, we are. And you do need that look sometimes when you're fighting on multiple fronts. Um, back to Saturday's game then, Adam. Reports this week, obviously, that the entire squad is fit in terms of being availability. Obviously, there were a, a few, as Pet likes to say, niggles after the Brentford game. Probably more mental fatigue, like I've just mentioned, given the fact the amount of sort of it was literally for, I'd say, a good seven, eight weeks straight, Saturday or Sunday, Wednesday or Tuesday, Saturday or Sunday, Wednesday or Tuesday. So that's good to see. I know you mentioned it briefly on Wednesday's show, but now we're a little bit closer to the game. Is there any sort of 
expectation in your mind that we will see, I don't know, for example, who is one player that's been an out, Phil Foden, Bernardo Silva played in right wing, uh, in the right wing position in City's recent big games. Do you think there's a chance that he maybe goes up against the Malassia or Luke Shaw, whoever it may be, at left back for United? Obviously, Akanji's back fit now as well. Does he stick in that left-back position ahead of Nathan Ake, who played against Brentford. Kyle Walker, he had a really good end to the season, but not many people had him in the starting 11, sort of around March, April time. What do you expect City's lineup to look like at Wembley Stadium tomorrow afternoon? Yeah, I think for me, the only question mark is the one you mentioned there, which is Phil Foden. Um, before he you know, kind of had this long spell of in and out of the team with injury and obviously the appendicitis on international break, which kept him out for a few weeks. We have to remember that he was probably one of the first three or four names on the team sheet for the bulk of this season up until about the World Cup. And he was playing really well. I mean, him and him and Holland, I can remember them in the Manchester Derby at, at the Etihad, were just ripping United to shreds in that game. Um, so if there's any decision to be made, it, it may be Foden in there to kind of be a bit more of a direct and pacey runner at at the likes of Malassia and I don't know who their their center back pairing will be because they got loads of injuries. I don't know if you know if it's Varane and Lindelof or Maguire's playing, but but either way, you'd, mm-hmm. you'd fancy your chances if you're Phil Foden. Um, and the back line, I'm I'm not quite sure because. You know, we we haven't seen Ake play since he went down with that injury. I don't think did he play against or did he play against Brentford? I actually have yet to see one <laughs> single minute of the Brentford game because I was Lucky covering you. all the rest of the games for work. Uh, did he play yes, against Brentford? Yes, uh, you doubt me now. I'm pretty sure he did. I'm, I'm, I've seen pictures of him in. The you kit, were there, I and I don't think like you saw. Who, who who are we talking about here? Sorry. Ake. Well, good, good job. You're listening. Ake, Nathan, no, yeah. Ake played. Ake started. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, I think you go with the 10 that played against Bayern Munich in both those legs in the first leg of the Real Madrid game. And then Phil Foden for Bernardo is potentially a question mark if you want a bit more pace, a bit more dynamism on that wing. But, you know, that's that's no knock on Bernardo Silva who can, you know, we've seen his, his dribbling mm-hmm. ability, his ability to beat beat somebody and, and move the ball on to Holland or De Bruyne or whoever it is. So, yeah, I, I think, and I was saying this, all the way back in early April, there is an 11 that picks itself and you play them in every big game mm-hmm. from here going forward. And Pep has basically done that bar the Ake injury. So yeah. I think that's probably what he'll do again. Um, Ollie, can City afford to go into a big final like this without Bernardo Silva? Say, for example, you know, we can pretty much nail down the fact that it'll be Rodri Gundogan, Kevin De Bruyne, barring any injuries in training. So that does leave... Likely, obviously, Grealish will be, um, hopefully, he was one of those players who's missed the last couple of weeks, but hopefully he'll be back fit. And I am a little bit worried about Grealish sort of losing that rhythm. He does feel like he's a player who needs two, three, four matches to properly get up to full gear. But is there a a danger, say, it is a a coin flip between Phil Foden or Bernardo Silva, that City go into a big final like this without the sort of, the, the the guy that is literally everywhere on the pitch, but do you, is that a good enough trade-off for, for, for Phil Foden's energy, his excitement, his dynamism, etc.? Yeah. Yeah. I, okay. th- I think we've just got a bully United with, with our superior mm-hmm. technical ability, our superior ability to keep the ball. Um, because United are in a weird place in that they are clearly trying to establish possession-based football system, but they've been really exceptionally bad at it. Mm. 
So when you've got somebody like Bernardo on the pitch that is so good at winning the ball back and then so good at retaining possession, which Phil isn't quite as good at because he is, you know, he's, he's more attacking minded. He takes more risks and he's more likely to cause more turnovers of the ball. Um, I think we beat United by suffocating them, to be honest. And I know that's not how it turned out at home uh, earlier in the season. We we just it was just kind of a rip roaring performance with the six three, but. Remember back then we didn't have our system set properly. Um, mm. We we weren't using this three at the back system. Pep was still tinkering a lot. I referred to this in the uh, in the episode last week where it, we realised what kind of power we had in this squad, but we hadn't quite fine tuned it yet. And I think now that we do, we are going to force United to play this weird high press game where they can't actually get the ball back. Um, and just basically force them into submission. So that plus just the fact that Pep obviously trusts Bernardo in the big games because he has played in the biggest games. Phil's been in and out of the team this season with injury. Um, it's not a slight on Phil. I think it's just a case of we have a very much trusted 11. Um, as Adam says, we've got an 11 that picks itself this season, or at least in the running. Bernardo has been part of that 11. The only yeah. question mark for me is between Ake and Walker, really. But by that, I think it's going to be um, Edison, just reading them off, Edison, Diaz, Akanji, um, then Ake. Sorry, Edison, Stones, Diaz, Akanji, then either Ake or Walker. Um, midfield, Rodri, De Bruyne, Gundogan, up top, Harlan, Grealish, probably Bernardo. I think the only question marks Ake and Walker. So you, the, the one of the main questions I was going to lead on to it straight away, actually, but you mentioned Edison, and, and I've been of the opinion sort of since this FA Cup final was decided and it was going to be against Manchester United, and since it got to the final anyway, that I would go for Edison over Ortega, despite Ortega yet to concede a, a goal in this competition. Adam, is that something you're sort of, you're nodding your head at? Is it is it Edison? Is it Ortega? Because I think it's it's probably the the... Considering, you know, Pep Guardiola's always been quite lenient with his rotation goalkeepers. I think there is a couple of cup finals. Obviously, Bravo started as the rotation keeper. But I think this is the best sort of two goalkeepers City have ever had under Pep. And if Ortega starts, no qualms. But Edison's Edison. He's, he's the number one. He's the man, isn't he? I think I'll go back to where we discussed whether we're thinking of this rationally or emotionally, because I am absolutely somebody who believes that if a cup keeper gets you to a final, they play. But that's when I'm looking at other people's teams, not when it's my own team mm -hmm. in a cup final against, you know, the context we've all, you know, we've already mentioned. I think I, I won't be unhappy with any outcome. If Ederson plays, fantastic. He's the better of the two keepers. He's been in the team for seven odd years now. He's he's a, a goalkeeper molded for Pep Guardiola. If Ortega plays, great. I think he's absolutely been a superb number two. Um, he may even be a slightly better shot stopper than Ederson and slightly mm -hmm. worse with the ball at his feet. You've got some give and take there. Um, and I know people have mentioned kind of the debacle of Zach Steffen in the, the FA Cup semifinal last season when, when he played against Liverpool. But you also have to remember that the team in front of him was a joke. I mean, it was just loads of, mm. of uh, round pegs and square holes there. So, um, yeah, I don't think I'll be – I won't be unhappy with either. I believe in in playing your cupkeeper if they got you all the way there. So if Pep does that, then I'll tip my cap to him. And if he doesn't, I'll I'll understand. 
to, to round off then, Ollie, what what would be worse in in the goalkeeper question if Edison made a mistake and it led to the winning goal for United? This is an incredibly morbid place to finish. But if Edison made a mistake and it led to goal to United, and the question was, should he have stuck with the keeper who got him there in the in the first place, or if Ortega made a mistake? And it led to a goal that led to a win to United. And it's like, why don't you play your first choice keeper? I I guess that's the question Pep Guardiola is running through his head. Narrative wise, you know, it's been a theme of the theme of the show. What would be worse, do you think, in your eyes? I don't think Pep thinks like that, by the way, because he's got immense. Oh, well, what faith a surprise! And... Yeah, yeah, what a yeah, surprise! He... he doesn't think like me. Uh, no, he's like any of us. He, <laughs> he, he, remember, he's not. He's a he's a Catalan, right? He's not Mancunian. Yeah, he doesn't do true. everything through the lens of what would be worse if we if things go wrong. He's he not can got probably that pronounce Cusara better than me as well. Yeah, he's not got that typical city blood. Um, in, in answer to your question, it is worse if we play Ortega and he makes a mistake because the feeling for me is that. In a game this crucial, because remember, the the game here is bigger than the game itself. The game here Mm. is one of two to complete a treble. You go with your strongest team, and that is Edison. And again, just tactically, going back to what I was saying, we have to suffocate them. I, I feel we will almost go back to the boring, boring football that people claimed we played over the last year or two, where it is just pass, 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 pass. Because that, I think, is how you completely demoralize and beat United mentally before you actually beat them in the scoreline. So Edison's a key part of that. Um, for me, yeah, just just go with the strongest 11 and that includes Edison over Ortega. Is there a sense here, and I'll, I'll flip this question and then put it to you, Amos. Is there a sense here that Ortega playing a few league games, even before the title was wrapped up, it has to be mentioned, he played a few league games and Ederson was on the bench and there wasn't really talk of him having any sort of injury. Is there a bit of a sense that that was Pep saying, well, I'm not going to play you in the FA Cup final, even mm. though you got us there because of the circumstances. So I'm going to give you three or four games in the league to to kind of keep mm. you happy. That that's That's what I thought at the time. But when you've just said that, I was wondering... What if it's the opposite? What if he's given him the league games to get him ready so when he plays the FA Cup match, it isn't the first game he's played since, I don't know, April? And now, now are we thinking like Pep, Ollie? Is this, is this how, yeah, how this are we is, closer yeah. to it? <laughs> well, no, because Pep's learned. Pep's learned, right? He's learned from his tinkering. This is one of the things that we've said all through the season, that we're a more complete and more mature side because mm. we've learned from the mistakes of the past. And I think one of those things that Pep will have learned from is that it's not time for sentiment now. It really isn't. It is time to put an 11 out on the pitch that will beat the team in front of us. Um, I am absolutely confident. There's a little bit of doubt in my mind because Pep is a principled man, but Ortega knew what he was signing up for when he came to the club for a start. We we shouldn't need to play him to keep him happy. Um, even though Pep is a principled man, I think we're just going to be ruthless. Um Pep's changed. Pep's changed. We've well, changed the size. It's worth mentioning that we do have precedent for this. And that was 2018-19. When I think and and to be fair, Murich is a is a bit of a different case to to Stefan Ortega. But um we have seen this where Ederson didn't play any of the run up to the final. A treble is on the line at Wembley. Granted, not the treble, but a treble is on the line. Mm. And he played Ederson, even though he wasn't the quote-unquote designated cupkeeper. So there is precedent for this. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I, I agree. I think it has to be Edison. I think we're at the stage of the season now where you play your best team regardless and whichever way you want to dress it up, you're going to be playing Edison. He's the better goalkeeper. But um, that'll do for today, chaps. Absolutely no score predictions. I am not doing anything. I'm not putting anything into the universe that may come back to haunt <laughs> us. So um, unfortunately, Ollie, that will not be happening. But anything to sign off with? Um. I'll go my okay. I'm not going to give a score prediction, but I'm going to say before the Champions League game against Real Madrid, before the tie, I should say, I said we were due to hammer them because our quality compared to theirs has been clear and it was clear last season. We got done, and I said the stars will align and our, our quality will shine through. I believe the same thing is going to happen for all the panic amongst all the blues. Anyone listening trust the boys out there to do the job we've been through the grinder before with big games and suffering losses and even against United under Pep when we could have won the league at home against them um, I don't think it's going to happen I think the lads will keep the composure I expect us to beat them fairly comfortably I'd take that um, fairly comfortably would do wouldn't it Adam it would um and now I just can't wait to wake up tomorrow morning and uh, sing Q Sarah Sarah until the, till the title is lifted. After three. One, two, three. Q Sarah Sarah. We're going to Wembley. And that'll do for today. Some native Spanish speakers here. Save your voice, lad. Save your voice for Wembley. Yeah, it won't be the first time the Englishman has done that. But that'll do. Um, if you are new, please hit follow, hit subscribe. We are back next week as we turn attention to the Champions League final, hopefully with some happy faces, as Pet likes to say. Until next time, we'll see you later. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 